It's another episode of Where You Are. And since we find ourselves in the middle of a historic event, the COVID-19 pandemic, I decided to ask where all of you are right now. So I reached out to you over social media, asking for your stories, and you came through. Students, teachers, Walmart employees, healthcare workers, and more. Throughout this episode, I'll share those stories. Some of you recorded audio, and some of you wrote to me, so I'll be reading those emails and messages. Right now I'm going to play two tempos of an old, old hymn. I don't know if I've ever played it on memory lane before. It's an oldie but a goodie, simply entitled Bright in the Corner, Where You Are, so enjoy. Haley Harbison and I'm a current student at Athens State University. My major is um, elementary education and I'm going to have a minor in English language learners when I'm finished. Um, Jimmy was actually my advisor and professor when I was at Bevel um, and we've become good friends since then. Um, I'm just going to talk to you all a little bit today about my experiences since we've been in quarantine during this coronavirus pandemic. Um, I actually have had the opportunity since last November to be working in an elementary school as a computer lab aide. So I have um, built relationships with teachers and uh, students at the school where I actually went to elementary school. So it's kind of like when I walked in there the first day when I was doing my field experience, um, it just felt like home and I was like, this is where I want to be. Um, and I actually got hired on as an aide um, after I did my field experience, which was just the biggest blessing. I had the best time with my former teachers and new teachers and building relationships and connections. And um, with the students, I had such a, a good time uh, and a, a beneficial time in my learning experience, definitely um, getting to be in an elementary atmosphere every day um, as an aide. Um, it, it's just been such a blessing. That last day, I think it was March 16th, was the last day we were at school. We were told on Friday before that that the schools would be closing until at least April 6th. It was the weirdest day at school. We were running around making copies to send home with the kids, um, you know, trying to soak in those last few minutes with our kiddos because we didn't know when the last time, when, when the next time we would see them would be. Um, we were giving lots of hugs, um, trying to do last minute little lesson plans so we could send home packets with them for those that didn't have access to technology and things like that. Um, so that was just a weird day. And then since then, um, I've been at home. I've babysat some, but I've been at home most of the time. My husband actually travels for work. So I've been, you know, home alone, which has been super weird for me. Um, one of my biggest things is I'm not good at being by myself and I'm definitely not good at sitting still. Um, you can ask Jimmy, I'm usually busy and have extracurricular activities and running around like busy all the time, never, you know, having some down, having any downtime. So this has been super weird for me. Um, I've also, I mean, I've had lots of time to get my college work done and I've also had lots of time to fold the laundry that piles up, but I haven't really been good at doing that. But, um, uh, one thing that I'm super thankful for in this, during this time is, um, FaceTime because not being able to see my parents and my grandparents has really just, um, taken a toll on me. Um, 
I've actually done front porch visits and front porch drop-offs of groceries and different things that my grandparents needed. And my parents have even dropped off several things to me, um, which I'm grateful for. Um, we've all just kind of came together and taken care of each other, even more so than we did before. Um, so one thing that um, I would also like to do would be to, um, you know, thank the essential workers that have been working and um working hard during this time and putting them their lives and their families' lives at risk, um, health care workers, grocery store workers. Another thing I thought about the other day was, like, postal workers. I mean, they touch, you know, things and uh, deliver, like, deliveries that who knows how many people have touched, and they're putting their lives at risk as well. So um, I just want to say thank you to them. Um, thank you to all the teachers that have been working so hard to continue to um, serve their students. Um, that's a big responsibility, and they've done, everybody that I know has done a fantastic job of doing that. Um, I just encourage everyone to um, hug your parents and hug your grandparents a little tighter and um, your loved ones when you when you get to. I know this is just such a weird time for everybody right now, and uh, when we get out of this, these houses, we'll be much more thankful for it, but um, just love on everybody that you can. Call and encourage everybody that you can. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to stay busy and keep my mind going so I don't, um, you know, get too caught up in it. Um, so that's that's about it for me, other than, you know, eating too many quarantine snacks. That's one thing I've struggled with. But um, I'm just going to continue to send good vibes and good thoughts and prayers um, to the people that are, you know, on the front lines, grocery store workers, postal workers, health care workers, anybody like that. So I encourage everybody else to do the same. So, thank you. Thank you, Haley. What a great way to begin the episode with gratitude to all those people out there working on the front lines while the rest of us shelter in place. One of the lessons I hope we learn from this is how much we depend on each other as a society and how we ought to respect and honor those bonds more substantially. We owe much more than gratitude to all those people out there right now risking their lives for us. Haley points out the beautiful ways she and her family take care of each other in these times, but I think she's a little hard on herself at times for not being a Wonder Woman. My friend, Kellyanne Griffiths, librarian and fellow educator, has some words of wisdom about self-care during these times. Hey, Jimmy, king of learning new things. I am telling you my quick quarantine story. I just, it took me a minute to realize that everything was going to be okay and uh, maybe knocked out the last little bit of type A left in me. We don't have a schedule. I know some people thrive on a schedule, but this household does not. Um, I had boundaries set and I don't have boundaries anymore. I mean, I do with people outside of the house, but this whole, you have an office, you should work in an office, quit taking up my dining room table. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah, I really don't like being touched. I've learned that. And, uh, Maybe I just really don't like being touched all day long while constantly being asked what color a specific Hot Wheel car is. But I talked to my therapist the other day, and she said something really good. 
My therapist opened our session with, you're a good person, you're a good mom, your home is fine. And she didn't even, I mean, the first thing she said was, can you hear me? Can you see me? Um, But that was the first thing she actually said to me. And I think that everyone needs to hear that. You know, we're told we should be being more productive or we should be learning to cook new food or whatever. And I go back to... The thing is that people told me after my first husband died, which was, you know, get out of bed at least once a day, make sure you bathe on occasion and do things that bring you joy. And that really has to be where it's at. Our students and ourselves, we deserve this grace because this is not what any of us signed up for and it's not what we were prepared for. You cannot do things with tools that you haven't been given. Thanks, Kelly. I agree with your therapist. You are a good person. And as someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, I can attest to how important it is in these times to get out of bed, make sure you bathe on occasion, and do things that bring you joy. My former student and friend, Jennifer Henderson, wrote a message for me to read that I think nicely follows Kelly's message. Jennifer writes, My experiences during this haven't changed from my normal day-to-day. I'm a writer and extremely introverted, so I never went out much anyway. I do miss visiting with my close friends, but they're just a phone call away. I just hope this clears up, not so things can go back to normal, but for the risk to not be so great. My thoughts and prayers are with everyone. Lastly, I want to shout out to... Northwest Mental Health Center in Jasper, Alabama. They have a wonderful staff who have been nonstop serving their patients. I feel people are not thinking about other illnesses that are not physical currently, but sadly, mental health does not stop during a global pandemic. So I wanted to make sure we give recognition to our mental health care workers. I know that many of us have mental health issues that we struggle with, and these times make it more difficult to deal with those issues. Thank you, Jennifer, for reminding us to be thankful for those who are there to help people like us. I am grateful every day that I have insurance, that I have good medication for my anxiety, that I have access to a wonderful therapist, but I know that that is not the case for everyone. Another lesson I hope we learn from this experience is how important it is for everyone to have equal access to health care, including mental health care. I am glad to hear Jennifer's positive words about Northwest Mental Health Center in Jasper, Alabama. And let's all keep in our hearts the people struggling 
with mental health problems in these times, and may we find substantial, systemic ways to improve things for them going forward. Our next contributor, Jacob Bratcher, who is my first cousin once removed, I think that's right, I get the terminology mixed up, y'all, is a great guy about to wrap up his master's degree at the University of Georgia, making him the first person in his family to do so. Athens, Georgia is often called the classic city. I think it might even be this town's official nickname. It is home to the oldest public university in the United States, and friends of mine from Southern California to South Carolina have referred to it as the quote-unquote quintessential college town. And it's true, it is. It was. It was, I should say, until my birthday, March the 12th of 2020, when the president's office and the State Board of Regents suspended face-to-face class instruction following that week's spring break period. The initial suspension was to last only two weeks, but during that time frame, it became obvious that many of us had said our last goodbyes on the Thursday and Friday before spring break, never again to set foot in the halls of UGA. Many different people have had many widely different reactions to this present plague that has consumed our world, and the one that I hear most often, so, so often, is the emotion of fear. I get it. I do. No one alive had psychological preparation for the collapse of our historical luxury of not having to live through pandemics, although there isn't any good excuse for the failure of national material preparation. But for me personally, the one thing I've experienced most often is not fear, but anger. I felt angry because I have felt at times like I've been robbed. As a first-generation college student, I was preparing to host and find hotel rooms for a dozen family members who planned to drive in from out of state and help me celebrate my graduation on the second Saturday in May. Getting your master's is a big deal when nobody in the family has ever done it before. I had daydreamed more than once of what it would feel like to stroll across that stage. This coronavirus robbed me of those memories. I'd also planned a sizable birthday party and spring break get-together with friends driving and flying into Atlanta from all over the eastern U.S. to celebrate another year of life with me. COVID-19 stole that from me and left nothing in its place. Some of my best friends live literally within easy jogging distance, but what good is that in a world where we have all been cheated of our sense of community and gathering togetherness, reduced to unrecognizable gloved and masked embodiments of mutual distrust, Some of my best friends live literally within easy jogging distance, but what good is that in a world where we have all been cheated of our sense of community and gathering togetherness, reduced to unrecognizable gloved and masked embodiments of mutual distrust, outsiders in our own streets whose avoidant posturing and anxious six-feet rules cry out like some Old Testament leper, unclean, unclean. But just like, I suppose, anyone else who was ever the victim of theft. I have tried to focus not on panicked calculations of how my life will be forever changed by what was taken from me, although I've done some of that too, but instead keep my attention as much as possible on simply doing what I know to do and focusing my energy on those things which I can control. I can still polish up that resume and cover letter to get back into the full-time job market, even though the work... I'll find it might not be anything like I'd expected before all this. 
I can still keep in touch with grandparents and family and hear the sounds of their voices, even if I can't ring doorbells and hug necks the way I'd like to. I am not yet old, at least in my own personal opinion. But I have lived long enough to know that in the end, every affliction lasts but for a moment. And one day, I will not regret it if I simply press on. That's all I know to do. And so I keep reminding myself of it a lot. Thank you, Jacob. Yes, we will all press on. I feel for you and for all the students out there who will miss out on hard-earned graduations. I know that your entire family is so proud of you, though, not only for your academic accomplishments, but also for the kind, thoughtful man you have grown up to be. One of the good things that has come out of this for me is connecting with family and friends in ways I had not done before. And that includes getting to know you better. Coming up next are some thoughts from a fellow English instructor who would like to remain anonymous. I am coming to you live from Sprott, Alabama, out in the woods. And uh, am, I'm very, like, I feel so guilty to admit that I'm just loving this. Uh, I teach college English, and so... The last time I worked was on March, Friday the 13th, and uh, that was when we got out for spring break, and we haven't been back since then, and what's today? See, that's part of this whole thing that doesn't even bother me either, is that I don't really know what day it is. It's like April the 11th, maybe? April the 12th, something like that? Anyway, and I don't have any problem with that. Now, I... Am living a life of uh, solitude, which some people would have a trouble with, but I do not. I um, I don't have any kids, and I don't have a partner, so I just have my two 14-year-old dogs, and um, I just, uh, like, last week, what's today, Saturday, like Tuesday week ago, I got um, three little baby kittens from the vet, I adopted them to raise. So I've been keeping busy doing that. And of course, like college English is not really anything that you're ever like, Oh, what am I going to do? I've run out of stuff. So, um, I've got tons of stuff to do. My house is a mess. And, um, so I've got a million projects here to do. I've got like so much Netflix and streaming and stuff to catch up on. Um, I've been in, I just finished my EDS degree like last school year. So um, I haven't like read anything for pleasure or watched anything for fun really in a long time. And so I'm really enjoying that. I'm really grateful that that I'm enjoying it so much and that I'm I'm capable of being in a place I live way out in the country where I don't have to worry about anything too much and I don't interact with anybody. And when I do, I'm really, really extra cautious and you know, 
I get a little overwhelmed when I have to go into town and go to the grocery store and, you know, think about all the things I should be getting and, like, what to do when they don't have the things that I would need or want. And, you know, did I, you know, properly clean everything sufficiently? And, you know, and then am I extra cautious enough? Like, do I need to be touching the bags that they touch? Like, it gets a little overwhelming, that kind of thing. And I can't imagine how people with kids feel right now, um, just from the, that's like fear aspect of things. And so I was talking to my students, I did a Zoom meeting with them yesterday to just um, touch base with them and not even to talk about class stuff. Like I just wanted to see their face and them tell me that they're healthy and happy and that sort of stuff. And every, uh, nearly every single one of them was like, I'm just bored. I'm bored. I'm like, I don't, first of all, I can't relate with being bored. I've never really been bored. Um, ever in my life that I can recall for too much, especially as an adult. Um, I don't think I was ever bored when I was that age either. And I don't think I'd be bored if I had had the ability to connect and talk to my friends the way that they do, but they're all bored. And I know I don't know. I'm not trying to be like Pollyanna sunshine. And I know I come in from a different perspective, but I really tried to impress upon them that, it's luxurious to be bored. You know, like you have the luxury of being bored. And if you're bored, that means that you don't really have any bad things going on in your life. Maybe you don't have anything extra special, fabulous, entertaining, amazing, like you're used to every day of your life. But you don't have tragedy because when you have tragedy, you're not bored. And when you, you know, if somebody that you knew was sick with this virus and dying, then you wouldn't be bored, I bet. And if you were sick with it, you wouldn't be bored. Or if you were trying to figure out a way to get your next meal, you wouldn't be bored. Or if you were going to be able to keep your job or keep your house, you wouldn't be bored. So, you know, there's there's a calmness and a, a sense of of peace that should come with that kind of boredom. And um, and then also I read an article, forgive me for not knowing where, where the, its origin or author, but it was kind of a rebuttal to the meme on Facebook that, you know, everybody should come out of this with a new skill or a new, um, hobby or something like that. And it's like, you know what, give us a break. Everybody, you know, in a way we're all home and we're all bored and we're all like trying to figure out our new normal. And, you know, we've said we would do all these things if we ever had the time and now we have the time, but it's not unencumbered time. It's, it's a, it's a dark kind of time and it's a time that's doesn't really lend itself to a a freeness of let me explore other avenues or that sort of thing. And like, even if we're bored, it's a, a fearful board and a calm. And I don't know, I'm just, I know I'm rambling, but there's just a panic and a fear that's underlying that, you know, is super duper scary. So, you know, if I had kids, it would just be, it'd be a whole different ball game. And I, I really empathize for the people that do and am um, hopeful that I'm hopeful, but it's a, it's a, a a shallow hope. I hate to say that it's a hope that we will join together and like do the right thing and people stay home and do it like they're supposed to. I had to go to Walmart, which yuck, even saying that on a regular day is awful, but I had to go to Walmart, um, last Wednesday in Prattville and 
I, you know, of course made a precious bandana mask that matched my outfit and everything. And I, you know, put essential oils in it so it'd smell good and I could ward off evils and whatnot. And, uh, <laughs> but so anyway, I was just so disappointed with the number of kids that were in Walmart and the number of people that did not have a mask, the people that worked there that didn't have a mask. Like I just, that ner makes me super nervous. And also it makes me happy that I'm way out here in the country. You know, when I look at people that are like living in apartments in Chicago and, you know, just really, really places that they cannot be outside without being around other people and, and running the risk of, of, you know, running into this invisible enemy that we're all trying to face right now. So, and not encounter. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and thoughts, friend, and your humor, which I always enjoy. And speaking of Walmart, another friend of mine who would also like to remain anonymous works at Walmart, and she wrote a message that she would like me to read for her. How's my life going during the pandemic? Well, it's been interesting. I work for Walmart, and although I'm glad that I'm still employed, I find myself fighting the urge to burn every pallet of freight that I see. Most of us have been cursed at due to the lack of supplies, usually toilet paper. If anyone from my store has tested positive, I haven't heard about it, although we do have quite a few people out sick. The store itself has been out of the Purell wipes that sit at the entrance for at least two weeks. Hand sanitizer, too. In the beginning, many of us were told that we shouldn't wear a mask to work because it will scare the customers. But you know what's scarier than a mask? Corona. Plus, many of my coworkers have compromised immune systems. As for myself, I'm not necessarily worried about the actual virus. I'm more concerned about how it will affect everything else, including the mental health of myself and those I love. Overall, I'm pretty healthy and seem to have a decent immune system, so I believe I'll make it although I do worry about the health of my mother as she works in the radiology department at a local hospital where she sees multiple confirmed cases a day. I worry that she'll get sick. I'm also a student. At the time, I don't feel too overwhelmed with schoolwork. If anything, I feel almost numb when it comes to school. I pretty much accepted my fate when it comes to a certain class. C's get degrees, am I right? I still worry a bit that, my, that I will lose my scholarship due to all the stress, but it is what it is. I'm a Walmart worker who is tired of everything, tired of the customers, tired of keeping up with the demand, tired more mentally than physically. I'm a student who is falling behind, a daughter who worries for her mother, and an employee who feels like they shouldn't complain. My friend, I really appreciate all you are doing at Walmart and all that your mom is doing at the hospital, and I hear you. I really do. 
you are both owed a big debt, as I mentioned earlier. I also hear your concerns about your college classes. As a community college English teacher whose classes have moved from face-to-face to online, I worry about students who don't have internet or the technology to participate in online classes. Further, I worry that their lives are so chaotic right now, loss of work or longer work hours, depending, anxiety and other mental health issues, family problems, you name it, that online learning is next to impossible. So I am moving forward with caution, with mercy, and just trying to work things out with each student as best I can. At the same time, I am frustrated with a clear lack of leadership in education, an indecisiveness, a lack of forethought, infrequent communication, the list goes on. These same criticisms extend to our political leaders, well, a lot of them. But, as I mentioned to my co-workers as this thing started to unfold, I will put my criticism in a cute little bag and unpack it at a later date, choosing to focus now on helping and getting through as best I can. But that unpacking's a-coming, y'all, because one of the things that I'm learning during this is that we have to demand better of our leaders at every level, even if it means stepping up to become one of those leaders. We need civic-minded leaders of intellect, compassion, character, and courage, and we need them now in every area, including business and industry. But let's move to another friend of mine who wants to go by the nickname Mila. She works in healthcare and wrote me a message to read on the podcast. My name is Mila, and I am a very positive person, a wife, a mother, a sister, a friend, and an RN. During this COVID-19 crisis, I feel that the social distancing also came with an emotional toll. I try to keep track of my loved ones more often, specifically those that are highly affected by this pandemic, my friends in Italy, the elderly, and kids. I'm also very selective of the kind of information and emotions that I want to be exposed in order to take care of my own, my family, my friends, my co-workers, and my patients. My specialty is oncology, chemotherapy, hematology, and end-of-life care. Death and patients' family support is something that is part of my daily basis because of my patient population. The dignity of comfort measures for hospice patients and the family interaction and support of my patients are the reasons I love my job. I still love it, but now it is different. With the pandemic, my patients cannot have their families with them. I need to take care of patients that are lonely, anxious, and scared of the unknown. Can I tell them that I miss their family around or that I am scared too? Can I tell them that it is okay to be scared because this is all so new for all of us? Instead, I try to think positive that all of this is going to pass soon. My biggest feature is my smile, but because of the mask I need to wear during all my shift, my patients cannot see it. But I still believe that they can see my eyes smiling and telling them that we are better 
together and that better days will come. I'm so grateful for my family and the strong bond that we have at home. Everything has a time to happen and life happens all the time. Let's celebrate every day and keep going strong to support each other. Thank you, Mila. Thanks for all that you are doing, and thank you for those words of wisdom. And a great big virtual hug to all of you who submitted recordings or written messages for this podcast. I received more than I anticipated, so I plan on putting the rest of them in the next episode in two weeks. I'm recording this on Easter Sunday, April 12th, 2020. As of this recording, half a million people in the U.S. alone have been diagnosed with COVID-19, and about 20,000 have died. A friend of mine lost his aunt recently. She lived in New York City with her husband. Her body is still at home after a couple of days because the system is overwhelmed. Let's not forget, as we deal with our own problems, the thousands of people who have died, who have lost family and friends, and the pain that they face, they too are owed more than we can pay. I listened to Stacy Beam this morning playing gospel on his piano on Facebook Live. You should look him up. He is a joyous soul who paints live and plays piano live. And I took a moment to just sit in the reality of where we all are. And while it's painful, scary, confusing, and often frustrating, my hope is that out of it we will move to a world more loving, more patient, more compassionate, and more equitable. To close this episode out, Please listen to Heather Gillum's story about the pandemic. In the beginning of March, Heather was pregnant, but she lost her child and had to endure a DNC without her husband. No one was allowed to come in with her. She tells us about a nurse named Mary who offered comfort and empathy, refusing to leave Heather alone. My name is Heather Gillum. I have a little bit of a sad story to tell about the pandemic. In the beginning of March, I was pregnant and was very excited but very nervous because I knew being pregnant I was more susceptible to the virus and so that was um, very scary for me. So I was careful. I stayed home. I didn't see anyone. I worked from home. Um, And my husband would go and get groceries and everything we needed. So um, on March 26th, about two weeks after I had quarantined myself, we had our first ultrasound and we went in and found that there was no heartbeat. 
uh, we were devastated. After the ultrasound, they put us into a, another room, and when we waited in there, the walls were very thin, and we could hear the Doppler of other people's heartbeats, their baby's heartbeats, in the rooms next to us, and uh, it was brutal. Um, it was shocking. I was sitting there very numb. Uh, you know, the virus had caused a lot of emotions in us, fear and anxiety, and just uh, not knowing what's going to happen in the future. And all of those feelings were doubled in that moment for us. Uh, the doctor came in and said that we, I needed to have a procedure called a DNC, and it had to be done at the hospital. I had never had surgery before. I had never had anesthesia before, so those things were very scary to me. So um, the next day, uh, even with my situation, my husband was not allowed to go into the hospital with me. No one was. So he dropped me off at the front door. They took my temperature outside, told me I was okay to go in. And then um, I went through that experience without him. Um, it was scary and I just can't really describe the emotions of it. The nurse, though, there was a nurse, and her name was Mary, and she attended to me for the majority of the time, and I could not have made it through it without her. She actually broke protocol and at one point rested her hand on top of mine, and she said to me, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I can't leave you alone in your sorrow. And she sat next to me and she cried. She had had a miscarriage in her younger years. And the situation was bringing that sorrow back up for her. And she sat there and listened to me as I told my story. And, and cried with me. And, and this was a nurse who I'd never met. And that, that experience will stay with me forever. That kindness. I will never, ever forget that. So it's been a couple weeks since that experience, and those weeks have been filled with sadness and sorrow and anger and all the grief cycling that we do when we lose something so precious. Um, and it's been harder in some ways because I crave the touch and the love and the physical contact of the people who love me. I crave that in my time of grief. Um, but the other part of the good part of it is that my husband and I have been able to be together the whole time and to grieve together and to rest. So it's it's just kind of a a struggle and but there is some good to it. And I just um I want to leave this um message with my baby's name. Her name was Abbott Luna, and I just want her name to be heard and to be spoken. Thank you, Heather, so much for sharing your story with all of us. I know that it will be a comfort to many others, and I want the last words of this podcast to be the name of your child, Abbott Luna. 
Thank you for listening to Where You Are, a podcast created by Jimmy Ellenberg and edited by Fox Williams. The introductory music was Bright in the Corner Where You Are, a song performed by Billy Pollard and created by Ina Dudley Ogden and Charles Hutchinson Gabriel. The interlude music, Tonight We Ride, was taken from the Little Spoon album by Patricia Taxon. All music was used with permission. Thank you again for listening, and have a nice day, wherever you are.